Welcome to Bookshelf Shelfies. I am Mary Barbara Hanna, your host, and today I have a really interesting guest. And as my daughter says, hold on to your pants. My guest today is Marianne Goldweber, and uh, she is a spiritual teacher who uses her skills as a medium to help teach people about being spiritual. I don't know, Marianne's gonna clarify it for me because I know that I, I don't have it exactly. Um, but I wanna tell you why I invited Marianne, Marianne onto my show today. Marianne and I have been friends since, I wanna say about the year 2000, no, 1999, like around there, 1999, 2000. Marianne opened um, an herbal shop, sold teas and herbs and all kinds of amazing things, essential oils, dream catchers, books. And uh, she opened her shop right not too far from where my um, then husband and I had opened a bakery. And being um, just new business owners, we got to know each other and support each other. And I spent a great deal of time at Marianne's. And you're going to find out why as we talk further today about who she is and what she does. So Marianne, welcome to the show. I am thrilled to have you here today. As oh, always. thanks for having me, Mary Barbara. Of course. And I always, you know, the thing about Marianne is, uh, I just want to tell you, first of all, you're always beautiful. Your skin is always very luminous. Your makeup is great. I mean, you just really shine from the inside. And you always have ever since I met you. You know, you just, of course, it's not like it's a surprise to you. But I just, for anybody watching the video, some people might just listen to the podcast. But if you get to watch the video, you'll see what I mean. She just really glows from the inside. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, Marianne, again, you know this, but uh, for my listeners, she is like in your face, no holds barred, going to tell you what's going on in, and and then laugh after she does, after she whips the rug out from under you to help you get back to reality. She's got this really great laugh. She's real friendly. Back to fun. Right. I mean, that's how it is. All right. So, so Marianne, talk a little bit about um, the tea shop where you worked and what we were going, what was going on down there when you opened that, the name of it, where it was located, anything you want to share with us about that. And I apologize for, uh, because that's, you know, trying to put it all in context, it's so interesting, is that I went through some major life transitions in my own life. I had a corporate career that um, I was in corporate for 20 years in banking, and I was having some debilitating surgeries on my hands, which prevented me from actually doing that work anymore. So I had to reinvent myself. And now, mind you, I was 35. You know, I had my first child. Um, and then found out that I had, you know, these surgeries on my arms and hands that I was going to have to have. And I was panicked, basically, in what I was going to do to make money. And, you know, my marriage was not all that, although I couldn't see it at that time. Um, I mean, I knew it wasn't great. But so I uh, started my business as a cottage industry as I was re rehabilitating from my um from my surgeries and raising my son. I mean, he was literally born six weeks postpartum to his birth. I started having these surgeries and it took Jeez. a year and a half. Yeah. And so it was very obvious I was not going to be able to go back to corporate work. And so I took my hobby, which was actually herbs and teas and things like that. And I turned it into a cottage industry in my basement. And then it got so big for my basement that I actually had to get a store because mm -hmm. I was schlepping me and an 18 month old around town doing craft shows and all the things we things. can do when we're young. Oh my God. I don't know how I didn't lose my shit. So, <laughs> um, well, and I did, and that was a good thing because, um, you know, so again, I had the herb store and that's where we met and, you know, and that's what people don't understand about small business is that they are they really are the the foundation of community and absolutely you know and um and that's why it's so important so yes as a small business owner we were reaching out to each other to see you know because a lot of new things were coming up at that point but mm -hmm. i was the only whole herb store in like northern ohio nobody mm -hmm. was doing the herbal thing mm -mm. and um and so it was such a an umbrella for so many different people I mean, that's what I didn't expect when I opened that store. As So my son was 18 months old and mm. I opened a retail store not knowing what the hell I was doing. And that's sometimes better because if well, you knew what you were doing, you might not have, right? Well, ignorance is bliss. Yes. Okay. <laughs> However, it's like reinventing the wheel. Like there were probably weeks. easier ways to do it. I mean, I did try doing like the small business SBA route. You'll never open a business if you go through those people. So I was just <laughs> arrogant enough 
and uh, ignorant enough to just do it. And so I did. And uh, yeah, so again, which is going to segue us into some of the other things we're going to talk about today. But um, so yeah, so I met Mary Barb and her, uh, her at that time husband, and she um, opened this bakery. And, uh, and so we, yeah, we, and our kids were kind of the same age. Mm -hmm. We both had mm -hmm. children. We're both doing this with kids. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it was, and my place was a real hangout place. It was somewhere where you didn't just come to. It really was. It was That's such right. a gathering place for people. Um, and and not so I just want to interrupt people. you real quick. Exactly. So you, we, I would come up there to say hi, look around, see what you had. And, and you always had something going on. Candles burning, incense going, tea was being made. I mean, there's just, and really it was just that homey feel. And what's so funny, I love it when you say cottage industry, because it literally was in a cottage, right? It was this cute little house on, on um, Center Ridge in Rocky River. And uh, you would come in the door and, and Marion would be in the back and she could kind of see you coming in, but you had lots of space to yourself to just kind of roam around. And the thing is you would be in there and women would come in, sometimes with their husbands, sometimes alone. And they would literally say, I was just drawn here. I was just driving by and I felt like I had to come in here to a woman. I mean, more than once, not just like me and like one other random lady. No, no, you could be in there anytime. And just some lady would walk in and she'd be like, I just felt like I had to be here today. And then it would turn out she would have some kind of need. It could be anything. And randomly, not really synchronicity and spirit and all that stuff. There mm -hmm. would be somebody in the store who had what this woman needed. I, you know, I don't know. I'm on my way and I'm looking for a car. And so you're like, oh, I'm selling my car. I mean, it would just be like that. And well, so right, those convos at the counter and just yes, pieces that were coming yes. in, it was just, it was. So when you say it was more than a hangout place, absolutely. It really was. Yeah. Well, and, and concurrently, I was having a spiritual awakening, um, you know, as my human illusion of what my life was, was being deconstructed in front of my eyes mm -hmm. uh, you know i was kind of like grasping at you know it's, it's almost like sliding down a hill and you're trying to grab this, the roots and shit sticking out <laughs> as you're right. you know trying not to die well and so um right and so during that time what i thought was going to be a little urban tea store um that catered to like the tea drinking ladies in rocky river and the garden club and and um, I always love the mysticism of herbs, and that's really what got me started in it. Um, and so what it did is it drew a lot of nature-based religions, mm -hmm. um, you know, naturopathic people. So, you know, I always used to joke that you'd stand there on a Saturday, and there would be the tea-drinking Rocky River ladies and the pagan Oberlin college <laughs> kids. And then the Native American guy from Southern Ohio would show up in full regalia and... I'm like, who does this? Like, who gets to have this experience? And right. so I, uh, I actually, you know, my son and I talk about this all the time because he was raised in this environment. And yeah, so he was, he was, he was exposed yeah. to so many different kinds of people. And, um, and no, it was just amazing. I miss it so much. And, you know, again, we were constantly evolving. And so then I let go of that in order to pursue my, um, well, first of all, I had to heal from a lot of the unravelings of my life so yes. i took an entire year off i closed in the height of my success mm -hmm. in order to take that year off to digest and mourn and purge what i just experienced and mm -hmm. which was like an eight-year process and so um so i took that year off and i decided that i was just going to pursue my spiritual journey and um and then created the next thing and so i remember also about um can you remember i'm sorry i do have some memory issues what was the name of your start an herb to remember no no it's it? called a way with herbs because away i had herbs, a right. way with herbs that's right okay and you had this beautiful backyard and you guys were very busy landscaping and i feel like this is the time that you started thinking about having or that you had been thinking about it and it was manifesting a place where people and i remember this so many times we talked about this being a place like a red tent where women could come in that in those moments during the month when they really needed sisterhood and you're like you know i'm going to make a place where women can come when they get their period and they're going to be able to just like get away from it all and we're going to take care of each other and uh, and then i remember you started um yeah like doing the backyard you know like cleaning it up and making a fire circle and and, and i never got to hang out back there unfortunately because well, and that was sure well in your life. I was on my own, like, you know, downhill, <laughs> some other place. The unraveling. 
I sure did. I sure did. You know, and I talked about this previously. I just had a guest on two episodes ago, a woman named Kim Langley, who's in Lakewood, and she does a lot of work with poetry. She does spiritual work through poetry. And I explained in that podcast that I um, was raised Catholic, and then I left Catholicism and became Jehovah's Witness. And then I left Jehovah's Witness and realizing I had to, you know, I was asking people, what's the truth? What, what should I believe? And to a person, everyone's like, um, you just got to figure that out yourself, which is so frightening. And to, as you know, that deconstructing and then reconstructing. Wow. I know we could. And that's why you're here today, because we have this right. very similar spiritual, but you've gone on to be the teacher and I am still a student. I'm still learning and growing and, um, you know. Well, the beauty of being the teacher is that you're always the student, is that, you know, this is a marathon, not a race. And we're constantly evolving, constantly learning, constantly reassessing. And that's the problem is most people don't ever stop long enough to be able to stop and say, okay, well, where was I? Why did that happen? What did Mm -hmm. I learn from that? And this is what I do is I help people navigate through that. But now, and, um, and so, yeah, so I, so then I took that year off and I'm telling you, I purged and like, I took my 700 square foot store back to my 700 square foot house. Okay. (laughs) And every day for a year, I pulled the box in front of myself. Oh no. And I just cried and I assessed and I burned so much stuff. One time I burned so much stuff that my neighbor came from the next street to see if my house was on fire because... (laughs) My fire pit was going like 24-7. I mean, there's probably how a How many bodies also. have you disposed of, Marianne? Well, figuratively, <laughs> hundreds. And, uh, you know, so with every bit of that stuff that I was releasing, there was emotion attached to it. And so I was processing all of that, getting the lesson out of it, and then, you know, and then letting it go. And these mm. are parts of the rituals that I create with people now is, um, you know, in our story is, is, the, is part of the survival kit for someone else. So... You know, I only teach what I've learned and what I know to be true from my perspective and what I've learned in my journey. And, you know, I'm not necessarily like a lot of the new age metaphysical community in that um, you rely on me for a message. What I do is I connect you to that. I call it the stage crew that helps us through this life. (laughs) And so that you can have the tools to connect to that divinity of your understanding. Okay. Mm -hmm. Whatever label you want to put on it. Yeah. And so that's what I do as a medium is I, I'm that operator that connects people to that, that insight, you know, you've reached we, Marianne, how may well, I connect you? And how do we, well, and how do we recognize? So that little voice that says, Marianne, don't do that. Okay. That is our stage crew. It's just that we blow it off because you know, our <laughs> ego thinks it knows more, yes. than, you know, you know, Yes. so I've learned so that my after, ego is not my amigo. That's right. Your ego is not your amigo. That's right. For sure. It's, so difficult. Um, after the away with herbs and then some time off, I know you bought this amazing house down there on Lake Avenue. Right. So I, I had opened, um, I regrouped and I took all everything that I learned from the herb store. And then I, uh, created a business, a business plan of what that development center would look like and what I would include in that and what I would teach. And, you know, get, having this gigantic space, I mean, I had like this 7,000 square foot space that was just this old Victorian. And I was like, oh my God, I mean, I actually knew about this house when I had the herb store. And so, you know, through a, ser- a series of events, I actually came available to lease and wow. I did. And, uh, and it used to be a convent. Is that right? Was, that house well, what's to... really funny. I, w- I was raised Catholic. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I went to St. Augustine Academy. Okay. I went to yeah. St. Joe's. So there. Okay. Uh-huh. We're rival schools. Anyway. <laughs> to anybody so the not nuns, Cleveland, so the nuns that taught at my school lived in this house. Get I had these women in school. Like it couldn't get weirder. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's, that's a whole nother show. But anyway, so that's what I did. But, you know, again, you know, that, that space on, uh, this herb store wasn't big enough. Right. Um, and it was in a high traffic area and it just wasn't conducive to really what I, and that's why I let it go because it was just, I was, you know, in the middle right, of the Right. He had a small parking yeah. lot and yeah, it well, was, it was on a main to... drag. It right. was not easy. So anyway, so having this space uh, opened way more opportunities. And so I did that for, um, I was there for eight years and oh. after that. And, um, and so there came a point where uh, I, it wasn't conducive either to what mm-hmm. I really wanted to mm-hmm. do because what I need is more property, more land. Mm-hmm. And that was again, right across from Edgewater park. And it was, you know, yeah. it was being redeveloped. 
So anyway, so you have to know when to let go of things and when it's not working anymore and not being so afraid of change or that transition. And girl, I'm a leaper. I'm very good at taking risk and I'm very good at those things. Um, and the older you get, the more calculated those risks become. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it doesn't, it's not as willy nilly as it appears. And so again, I was taking another year off to just really look yeah. for that right thing because mm -hmm. you know now this is going to be my forever place because i'm not a kid anymore and i am not moving my shit one more time okay so <laughs> i'm just not settling you. for i'm I not settling you. for what's right now i want to you know we want to create what's right and yes yes you know, so, anyway, so that's where i'm at i'm in a transition so then in the middle of that COVID hit so yeah, giving so here you the are. whole world a universal timeout, and now we're all assessing what we're doing Yes, we are. It's so interesting. Mm -hmm. I know there's been, um, and personally, not, I, I've had several family members with COVID. We haven't thankfully lost anybody, but I do know several people who have lost older mm -hmm. relatives. And so there has been, you know, the type of grief that people are feeling. So, you know, I don't want to, um, I, I want to, we've talked a little bit about, uh, you know, where you were with your store and who you are. Can you I don't know. Can you tell us? I know one of the things we talked about was storytelling, but I know that you're just this great fountain of information. So I kind of want to dig around with you a little bit. You know, what can you talk to people about right now that we're all going through? Actually, I do have a hilarious story uh, just, just to send us off. So Marianne and I were actually scheduled to talk a few days ago. And just because of the world, we just, you know, we didn't get organized and get together. So we rescheduled. But as we're talking about rescheduling, uh, we devolve into, of course, a 15 minute conversation because we can't talk for two minutes. And uh, she's telling me that the, you know, because the aligning of the planets, Miriam knows is very knowledgeable when it comes to astrology, uh, the aligning of the planets and truth is going to be revealed. And there's a lot of stuff coming out. So there's a lot of upheaval. And I'm listening to this. I'm like, yeah, oh, okay. Blah, blah, blah. So we reschedule, hang up the phone. I go sit down, I eat an apple. And literally five minutes after I ate this apple, these teeth right here are not my teeth. They are veneers because when I was a kid, a baby, I had an antibiotic called tetracycline and mm -hmm. it left my teeth gray, my adult teeth gray. My dog is frustrated in the background. I apologize. And um, so as soon as I could, as an adult, I saved up my money, got my teeth done so that I would have nice white teeth. Anyway, 30 minutes after this phone call with Marianne, this tooth, this one right here, falls off. My veneer falls off. And I become, I'm laughing so hard because Marianne's like, the truth will be revealed. And I'm like, the truth is, these are veneers. Then I go to the dentist the next day, hoping they're just going to glue that sucker right back on. Marianne, I had a cavity. The tooth was rotting behind my veneer. And I'm like, I mean, even in the small ways, right? The truth right? Is revealed, all's going to be clean. So today I had to go and they had to clean up this tooth and put the temporary crown on and care of. So, so. the funny thing about that. So see, we yeah. can look at that as a tragic thing. Like, oh shit, my, my veneer fell off. Huh. But you know, so I have, it's almost, it's almost like breathing now. As I know that even in these things that appear tragic, that they, there's purpose behind it. Yeah. And so, you know, and so. If that hadn't happened, you would never have known. And so it was a, ultimately a good thing. Absolutely. So, so in people's lives, whether we're talking about some death or some change or something that appears tragic in that moment, that there is a bigger diviner reason behind it. It's just not for us to know in that moment. So having faith allows us to trust that there's something bigger here at work that is gonna, this is for my highest and best eventually. Okay, I might not see that today and it might not be from a year from now, but ultimately these things are happening for us, not to us. I really, so speak to that as much as you're comfortable. Um, speak to that a little bit. You know, people are all over the, the spectrum, I guess you would say, of spiritual awakening from being completely not awake to enlightened and you know, when people, um, and I, I hope that you will share with us how people can contact you. Um, when they contact you, what can they expect? You know, let's just start with that. So let's just say I hear you on the podcast. I'm like, you know, maybe I would enjoy talking to Mary Ann. So tell us like a range of things that you can do for people, because I know that you also do readings, um, spiritual guidance. So kind of give right. us that. So primarily... Arc what happens is so let's say you you so normally when people reach out to me it's because they've come to a place in their life where they don't have a resource or tool or answer 
So their life has become, something's happened that's created a situation where they don't know really what to do. So quite often they'll reach out to someone like me or me for, for some kind of guidance. Okay. Yeah. So in the work that I do, um, you know, most of the time I'm dealing with somebody who's had a tragic loss, like a death. Okay. Mm -hmm. So my, this work is very broad spectrum because I deal with people who've had cataclysmic change, like divorce or job loss. Some people are just curious. They just want to know like some kind of guidance in their life. Um, but then it can get much more serious in the fact that, like I said, when you have a cataclysmic death or something unexpected, um, that I help them, uh, in that moment to establish a, a process to grieve, to yeah. learn. Cause a lot of people have been taught you know, or haven't experienced death right? Or, 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 you know, and what I've learned too is change has a grief process, you know, and it's a holistic process where our brain is defragging our, it shuts you down physically. And then if you don't have some kind of a understanding of something bigger than you at work, you feel like you have lost control um, over this and we don't have control over everything. So it's a really very holistic process. Um, and I, and again, I take that work seriously. I'm also do outreach in the community. So this work is not just you scheduling a session with me. I also do fun things like parties where I'll do a whole room full of people mm -hmm. or, you know, I've, I've performed at corporate events or at the, um, uh, at the palace theater I've headlined there. So, you know, I've, I'm, working in a more entertaining way, although I never see what I do as entertaining. I see it as my, as seriously as right, work, right, right. but you know, people come cause they're curious. People come cause they want to be amazed. And then there's people who come because they just really want some foundation to work from, to, you know, be more proactive in their life. And so I deal with all kinds of different situations. So I'm also an interfaith minister, which gives me privileges at hospitals and prison nice. and port. So I advocate quite often. I'll have to advocate with people um, who are in situations that that's just the service part of the work I do. Um, and so they might have to go turn themselves into jail. I'll go with them mm. you know? um, if they have to go to rehab or they're coming awakening from their addiction. I'll drive them to rehab, you mm -hmm. know, um, so it's about serving people in their moment with whatever it is they need at that time. But uh, professionally, people call me and we schedule one-on-one -on -one sessions where we work through, um, you know, well, I tap into what the universe has to tell them and then we find a game plan for that, you know? So that's basically the work, so. So yeah, just nothing. Like what well, else do you do? You know, I don't know, you floss your teeth and watch TV. You know, um, I do actually want to say. I see dead people. I see dead people. That makes me nervous because oh, I don't want my mom to talk well, to you. But anyway, um, I do want to tell people that when I remarried, Mary Ann was the minister at my wedding. And it was, and you know, it was a good thing because I'm still married to this guy 11 years later, still happy and madly in love and all that stuff. So uh, yeah, she also does weddings. But I think the well, one- And the joy for me in marrying people. So that's another aspect. So I get to do weddings that aren't conventional, mm -hmm. you know? Um, where we're in a location that isn't necessarily a church. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, when we get to design a ceremony, that's just whatever you practice or believe, or, I mean, I've done every, I always joked with people. I said, you know, if you want to be naked at your wedding, that's okay, but I will not be okay. But, you know, whatever you want, we're good with that, you know, so whatever, I'll speak it in whatever language you need it to be, but yeah, that's the beauty of it. And so marrying friends or marrying people I know, uh, for me, that is such a beautiful thing because, you know, I know you and I, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, I don't know. It's just way cool when I marry folks I know. My very first, this is funny. God, yeah. So my very first wedding I performed was on my anniversary of my wedding, which I was divorced. Okay. So that day was not a happy day. Okay. So now it's Shannon and Matt's anniversary oh, and, and they were my very first wedding. It was on my that anniversary. That's funny. Like how weird is that? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, time to it? let go. But is it? But is it? So now it's Matt, Sh Shannon and Matt's and they're still married. And they're amazing. And it was beautiful. I'm glad. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, I, it was special. We got married on Christmas Eve. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it was, and it was in my brother's home and it was so it was small and intimate and, and it started snowing and it was twilight. I mean, everything. It was just really, it was. It fantastic. really was a beautiful day. Yeah. Thank you again, as always. And, well, and hilariously, it's a solstice, so it's a time of changing seasons. So it's oh, a I didn't time think of, of it changing. that way. 
Yeah. Oh, you just always got that. So the one thing I wanted to ask you about was, um, I mean, of course, there's many things, but one of the things, the grief that people are feeling, can you address that a little bit? Absolutely. So the challenge is that most people don't realize that we're all walking around in some kind of uh, illusion of what we think our life is. And, Mm -hmm. and your brain gets conditioned to believe that you know, to this is it, we get up, we go to work, we go home, you know, we make dinner, we, you know, everything's just kind of in this fluid little thing. And then something comes in to disrupt that. And whether, like I said, you know, you find out your husband's cheating on you, or you, you know, you get, you get laid off, or that completely is like throwing a wrench into the gears and everything goes, well, Mm -hmm. so the issues that we're dealing with in our society, okay, is that they're, you know, these systems or paradigms have not been working for a very, very long time. So we've been having these mini awakenings throughout, I mean, generations, that these systems just aren't working. And so what's happening is, is all this um, upheaval is actually the destruction of the illusions of what we've been taught to believe. And so like you and I just talked about being raised Catholic, Okay, I found that there was a lot of holes in that theory for me, and it was not for me. Mm-hmm. And and coming to that awareness, um, you know, was a process. And so that's a system. My family was Catholic. Everybody in their family is Catholic. And so, you know, breaking those traditions or those systems, um, you know, was not easy, you know, when, again, so, so whether it's, you know, um, the things that we are experiencing, um, that these systems, so look at, um, society, you know, conditions us, gender stuff conditions us, culture, uh, religion, all, uh, family, all these systems are being reevaluated right now. And so what happens is, is when they stop working, these tragic things begin to happen, but they're really destroying that illusion of what this is. And so what's happening now is people are awakening going, holy crap, how long has it been like this? Um, the whole time. Okay. You're just late to the party. Okay. (laughs) So, so that process of trying to add this information into our thinking and unraveling what we've been taught our whole life is people are like, just, uh, you know, and that's okay. That's not bad. And that's initiating a grief process for the whole world. Mm -hmm. I mean, for everybody. And so we're all unraveling a very unique bag of conditioned stuff. So for instance, like people who are African-American, they have a a different conditioning than people who are Anglo. And then we've got people, you know, there's just so many different systems that people have been born under that are just trying to come to the truth, you know? And so helping people through that, that, uh, grief process. So it's Mm -hmm. denial. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is not happening. Oh, yeah, it is. Okay. So denial is a protective thing that helps us actually. Sort of. I'm the queen of denial. Cleopatra. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Denial is not a river in Egypt. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and so then we've got anger, sadness, surrender, and acceptance. Well, that's a process you work through, not something you get over. And yeah, so as our right. brain is, as our brain is trying to reassess all this information, it, it's, people don't know what to do because there's their, their routines broken and, and it's bringing up when they're sitting still all this truth that they couldn't notice before, you know, when you're getting up, going to work, going to bed, getting up, going to work, going yes. to bed, you come home, make dinner. Okay. Now you're stuck home with your children, your partner mm-hmm. with all your useless crap that you bought and you, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't have the necessities. I mean, most of the stuff is not essential. Okay. That's right. And so people were like, well, I mean, it's been awful and awesome because I've watched so many amazing new things come out of this. And that's where if somebody who's stands in trauma and tragedy for the last 30 years, this to me is, it's awful. Yeah. But it's not fixable. We can fix this. We can change. We can evolve. And watching those evolutions and those awakenings occur has just been beautiful and so that's what i do is i give people hope to know Mm -hmm. that no matter what you're experiencing right now that there is a solution there is a solution and we will survive this moment we will survive this moment and it will make us better because what doesn't kill us does make us stronger ultimately but yeah that's it's been fascinating so so many awarenesses are being uh revealed and yeah 
Well, that's what, so that's what somebody asked me, and I reached out to, you know, I'm always trying to schedule people for these interviews. And somebody said, oh, I haven't talked to you in so long. How are you doing? And I said, you know, I can't decide if it's been a blessing or a curse. And I say that because I know so many people have dealt with so much, you know, losing jobs and the stress of not having money and income. I know my daughter and her partner, um, he's been out of work for most of the year now. Um, you know, so there's, everybody is struggling and yet everybody is still kind of kicking. Well, what we're learning to do is simplify. I mean, that's what people are noticing is that, you know, now that you're home, you're making food, you're not just eating out, you know, that you're doing all these things that you, how much do you need? Like how much do you really have to have? That's right. And so people are surviving with less and, and it's not bad. It's not, well, right. for some people, it's been awful. Okay, I can't lie. But, but you know, we're addicted. We've been conditioned to be consumers. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and now, um, again, it's bringing up some really cool, amazing awarenesses. And again, less is more. Less is it, more. It's so true. When I, so after um, I finished my first marriage and then I was going through my own, you know, deconstruction, reconstruction, I moved. I have moved probably literally 15 times in the last 20 years. And every time I moved, I had less and less and less until I was finally down to um, a couch, a mattress, a chair, my books. I got to have my books mm-hmm. um, and my clothes and some dishes and what have you. Uh, now I've remarried and my my stuff has sort of accumulated again. But I, when I got to that place where I really literally was down to literally down to $50 in my account, mm-hmm. um, I, I realized I was... I'm never going to be homeless. I'm never going. I've, I, I mean, look at me. I'm pretty healthy. I've never gone without food. My clothes were, yes, I have old clothing. My car at the time, 10 years old. But I just realized, to your point, that's all I needed. You know, everything else is gravy. And to learn to be simple and enjoy the freedom of not having so much stuff right? And worrying about accumulating more stuff. I don't even go to secondhand shops. I don't go antiquing. I don't even no. window shop. I don't, I just don't, you know, and uh, I do buy some things, but very carefully I buy things. And, uh, you well, know, I'm just thinking- finding that that money is also, um, I would rather create experiences with that, yes. you know? Yes. Yeah. I'd so rather, once- I mean, when we could travel, right. I would rather go see my daughter. I'd rather have dinner and right. wine with friends. I'd rather whatever. Yeah. Well, I agree. So when you. Jared was little, you know, and money was tight because I was running a business and trying to pay for the house, everything all at the same time. So Jared wanted, you know, he wanted to go to Disney World. So we were in the Marks one day and Jared goes, he goes, mommy, and he picks up this little, this little stuffed animal. He goes, mommy, can I have this piglet? And I said, (laughs) I said, Jared, I said, honey, every time we buy a crappy toy, that's one less dollar, we can go to Disney World. And he goes, I said, so which is it, honey? The you know, Disney World or the crappy toy? He goes, Mommy, can I please have the crappy toy? <laughs> <laughs> but I have to tell you, he still has that piglet. He's 24 years old. And he still has that piglet. That oh, little guy, God. he, oh, you know, one of the he things. He's so that, wise. Oh, yes, he is. He is a sweet, sweet boy. You know, I, I, and so people, you know, so I was talking about coming out and hanging out with you. And then I just sort of like disappeared off the scene. Well, I actually left Cleveland. I moved out away and I haven't lived there since. And, uh, and I, although I do come home, you know, it's always kind of the regulated time. Like I go here, I go here, I go here, and then I leave again. Um, and so I have, I have seen Marian in person in the last eight years or so. Um, but of course now COVID and we're all off on our other, we're just spiraling back out again. Um, Marian, so what can people if you could give people one piece of advice, I guess, or some guidance, they're, they are grieving, they're trying to understand what their life is about now. They want things to go back to normal, but knowing that can't happen because that normal is over now. What's one thing they can do now to help themselves start moving forward, would you say? The best thing you can do is stop. Oh. Stop, don't move. It's kind of like when you get lost, the first thing you want to do is run around and freak mm-hmm. out. Okay. Mm-hmm. The best thing you can do is just stop and assess where we're, where we are, you know, just get yourself in a solid, safe place. 
And then when we sit still, and that's the problem is most people are not used to being still. Yes. You know, they've created this addiction of perpetual motion. So they avoid stopping. They avoid thinking. They don't want, because then all this emotion starts to bubble up and they don't know what to do with that. Mm -hmm. So, so what we do is we just stop. Okay. And, and we really, I take notes. I write down what I'm feeling, mm -hmm. write down what you're feeling, right? I always say these letters should start with F you and end with thank you. Okay. <laughs> and we never ever mail these. Okay. We burn them. I burn these things out in my fire pit. So what I do is, so let's say I'm mad at, I don't know, let's just pick somebody. There's a ton of folks that we can target our shit with, I'm sure. So let's say I'm mad at my garbage man. Dear garbage man, what the hell? You know, you you left all this garbage on my lawn and blah, 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 blah. It's not really about the garbage man. And I burn that. And then I write it again. Dear garbage man, well, I know it's a hard job. And I know that you, you know, and then this inner, once you get that volume of emotion out, then this higher truth comes in and goes, yeah. is this really about the garbage man? Is this about being disrespected? Or is this about, you know, that's where that inner voice comes in and says the truth, but we can't hear that when we've got all this, you know, this volume of emotion that's just mm -hmm. driving everything. And so yeah. sitting still. And so I process those things through letter writing and I burn it and write it and burn it until I get down to the truth. And thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for this experience. So really, these are just a series. These experiences are really just a series of lessons. The challenge is we don't stop long enough to sit with it and find out, well, how did that happen? What did I do to choose this? How could I have choose differently? You know, and what did I learn from this person or these people? And that's the thing that we're not taught how to do. And that's what I teach people to do. How mm -hmm. to go back in your life through all the experiences that you've had and but let's process all that because all of that is the are the teachings that are going to create wisdom for us to make better choices going forward you know mm -hmm. and so yeah so that's what i do so the first thing you do so one time this is a funny story and i want to get to storytelling because oh right right keep talking i have to adjust this light okay Who cares? i'm not a so professional funny, i'm going to adjust so the this, light but you this keep is talking. a funny story so back in the day my mother used to take us to sears and roebuck on Lorraine Avenue. And that was like the big family outing because it had everything. Okay. It had a little place where you bought hot dogs and nuts and all these things. So my mother would leave us in the toy department to play while she went other areas in the store to shop. And so she would say, watch your little brother. Well, I'm just autistic enough and I have ADD. So I got bored. And so I would go looking for her and leave my brother alone. He's like five in, in the toy department. So off I go. Well, now I can't find her. Now she went back to the toy department and I'm not there either. So now she, we're looking for each other. Okay. So this is us in the universe. This is my analogy. So I'm out there going, mom, mom, you know, looking all over and she's out there freaking out. Like, where's Marianne? Oh my God. And she's panicked and running all over the place. And so she finally, we've caught up with each other and she grabbed me by the shoulders and she sat me down. She goes, if you're ever lost, just sit still and I'll find you. What an amazing lesson and that's what the universe does is we're running around like you know henny penny okay freaking out fear is a pair a paralyzing thing okay mm -hmm. and so just sit still and let the universe find you let that mm -hmm. inner guidance come to you and that they can't do that when you're running around like in a panic <laughs> right. so so the parents being the universe okay that's right. is like they wait till you fall down and then they can get a hold of you okay that's right. so you get don't you by the shoulders you don't ever want to be forced into a timeout, which is what's happening. We're being forced to, into stillness right now. Yeah. And a lot of people are not liking it. Now, for me, I like stillness because that's where the answers are, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And my life is so uncomplicated right now that, you know, I'm not afraid of sitting still. Sure. You know? Um, I, the one thing I wanted to ask you is, are you familiar with a book called A Course in Miracles? That's an interesting book. Um, and that's kind of how I came to my the way I channel information uh -huh. is through, it originally started through automatic writing. Mm -hmm. And I so, that, yeah. so what the course of miracles, see the backstory to that is interesting because um, the course of miracles were two atheist psychologists who decided to try to tap into that, you know, by doing automatic writing. And so they tapped into this divine wisdom place thing and they channeled that and wrote it all down. And so that's kind of like the, the book Conversations with God is exactly the same thing. It was written the same way. Oh, that's so the interesting. Course of, yeah, so the Course in Miracles was something that was channeled, um, which is funny because they were atheists 
And so that kind of turned their corner on that. I, I bet. <laughs> I actually, somebody, I joined a little group that was like, hey, somebody recommended this book and I'm going to read it. And if anybody wants to join me, you know, I'm just, I'm there. it's not like a very formal group. We just email aha moments back, to, back and forth. I'd never heard of it. And mm-hmm. um, I started reading it. And it was, what was interesting for me was there were, there's many things I'm reading that I had already come to on my own that I, you know, all Mm -hmm. these years, these 20 years now or 22 years, whatever it's been of spiritually seeking stuff. And, but just like, just like stepping through this door by reading this book and I'm only on chapter five. I mean, it's really, for me, it's really, it's not difficult to read, but to really grasp every right it's talking about it's mind-bending for me and um so it's really like i've stepped through the next door like i've been hanging out in this room for a while and now this door is open and i'm walking into this room and now i'm trying to figure out what this room is all about and uh, so it's been interesting as i start to put this new piece into my puzzle that i'm putting together Mm. i've got this whole new shape that i'm trying to figure it out and where does it fit and you know what it looks like and and then really The key here, and this is what I think you're saying as well, is many times we think we're solving problems by pointing out what other people are doing wrong, what they need to change. And in the leadership courses that I teach, we talk about leading yourself first. You can't can't fix anybody out there. You can't do anything out there until you are able to do it within yourself. And when you talk about ego, this Course in Miracles, this is something you know, again, I've been aware of this. I've taken some psychology classes and I've read many spiritual books, you know. Um, but this book, the way it's talking to me and maybe because of my life experience and my age and everything else where I'm at finally, you know, I mean, you're not surprised, I know. Go ahead. What well, you when you, well, when you're ready, the teacher appears. And yeah, we can read these things. <clears throat> but now that you're in this new pr- perspective in your life, Mm-hmm. Now it makes sense, you yes. know. And so it's like when people have a session with me, like I'll tell them stuff, and they're like, "Okay, Marianne, yeah, whatever." <laughs> yeah. And then they go home, and all of a sudden, three months later, six months later, all of it starts to manifest, and they're like, "Holy crap!" You know. And so the wow isn't always in this moment, and that's why storytelling mm-hmm. is so powerful because the more you, you know, because when you hear the story, and this is why in the Native American culture that thing you just described is what they call the the great smoking mirror and that's where we get the saying the finger that points out points three back so this is an exercise i use in team building and teaching is that our observations through the smoke of the mirror the reflection is us Mm -hmm. so what we're directing out is a direct reflection of what we feel about ourselves, and that's a native american teaching that was the biggest thing of my awakening was that exercise that my teacher did to me and i'm telling you something it was a horrifying awful day to see yourself outside yourself through your criticisms (laughs) or judgments (laughs) yes there's something similar just happened to me recently i said to somebody oh it's it's really cold outside and they're like yeah but it's sunny and in my mind i'm like what the hell does that have to do with anything and then i realized that's a very mary barbara statement to always find the positive right they're like right? oh you know my finger fell off but your nails look nice you know it doesn't really help that your finger fell off i just like to always no where do you just say i'm so sorry you had that experience or that's yeah. how you're feeling you know i no, really like it's really dismissive now you see it from the other side exactly it right. was very exactly. dismissive so when my husband my husband was like oh but it's still sunny i'm like what a very Mary Barber thing to say. He's like, I know. I was like, look at that. Ouch. Right. So and that's I would the love thing to- is, oh, I think people's emotion make us uncomfortable. And so we do those things because we just want to, we don't want to, we don't want to feel that <laughs> exactly. or hear that. We're like, yes. we're going to shut that down. Okay. Exactly. Well, when you're on the other side of that, it's like, I know it's sunny, but I just want to say, this is how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. And we keep shutting each other down that way. So that's what I do. I am very objective. You can say whatever you want out loud and I'll just, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then when you're done, I'll say, well, how'd that work? Or, yeah, right. we, you know, or what the universe has this answer for you. So that's why, you know, my story uh, is, a, is very important because I've had so many experiences in this life that I can now see from this higher spiritual perspective. And so that's why the universe gives me these stories to tell because, you know, that's the answer to someone else's dilemma. And the beauty of storytelling is that you're not saying, you know what you ought to do? What you're doing is you're telling a story and you're allowing people to take what they're ready to hear in that moment. 
and without judgment, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's why storytelling is a much more powerful tool for teaching than just lecturing or bombarding people with information. So like you got that when I told that story about my mother and sitting still, you mm -hmm. know, you sit still, I'll find you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and so how many times are we just running around, you know, in this fear place? And if we just sat still, the universe would find you. I think, you know, that tying it back into this idea that we have to accumulate things. And so we have to work to make the money to accumulate the things. And we're so busy thinking that that's what success, that that's reality. You know, I remember having a conversation with my sister-in-law one time and she was talking about, I don't know, kind of what we were really talking about. And I said, you know, I really, you know, that stuff just isn't real. I mean, yeah, it's real because we're doing it physically, but that's not the reality. That's just the stuff we do to keep ourselves busy while we're waiting for whatever is really going to happen here. But this, you know, get up and do the laundry and wash the, and do this and clean and on and on. It's just, it's just busy work. You know, yes, it's important to have a clean house, hygiene, la, la, la. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, to your point, where we become obsessive about, right. you know, calendars and scheduling and I have to do this. And yeah, exactly. And I have to have these things and my kids have to go to soccer and law and piano lessons, well, you know, because we have to achieve, achieve, achieve. And to your point, as we were talking about either right before this or when we first started, it's all about that's the ego that we're feeding and that thing needs to be starved. Well, it's also the conditioning yeah. that we've received by people who are making money or somebody is profiting yeah. on some level from our addiction. So I was talking about this the other night. I go, this is like the dope boy who just wants to sell you drugs to make money. And he knows you're an addict. So he keeps feeding you this thing. Mm -hmm. uh, not not because he cares about you, but because he's making money off of it. And yeah. so that's what's happening is people are waking up to find there's like 20 dope boys in their house that they've been, <laughs> they've been buying into. And now we're all like in detox, basically. That's what's happening is we're all, you know, getting off our drugs of choice and realizing that wow, I really love my house or God, I hate my house or my, you know, I love my partner. God, I hate my partner. I mean, there's all these awarenesses that are happening when we're wow. being forced. We've been literally like taking somebody, taking off the blinders. And now yes. the truth, and this is where I always say, this is one of my catchphrases to people, the truth will set you free, but it will first piss you off. Yeah, right. Okay. So like Gloria Steinem says, you know, the truth is liberating because you can't change anything till we get honest about it. Mm -hmm. And then once we're honest about it, yeah, it sucks. And yeah, cleaning that up is not easy, but it's so worthwhile because we're not going to do it again. We're not going to recreate those same yes. things over. So it creates room in our life for the universe to work for, mm. for manifest, true manifestation to begin, not manifesting more useless shit. Right. Like that's why I have a hard time with, you know, the packaged versions of spirituality, like the secret, mm -hmm. you know, divine law, universal law is reciprocal. What you send out comes back and girl, I can't lie. I, my inside voice is seriously kind of going, he, he, cause I've seen so <laughs> many things coming back. I'm like, you know, cause I've had my karma come back at me and it is not a pleasant experience. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. I can't lie that I'm secretly in the side going, oh my God, this is so fucking awesome. You know, because... <laughs> Listen, I, Not that I'm going to I don't want to rush us and because, and I do want to respect your time as well. So you did in a side note, uh, mention, um, well, first of all, I want to come back to the native American thing. So what would you like to tell us about, um, how native American culture has impacted you, how you use it as part of your spiritual healings? Um, what, what part of that would you like us to know about today? Well, um, one of the books Good. That, that came to me when I was in the midst of the destruction of my personal illusion um, was the book Black Elk Speaks. Um, is this, and this is a book anybody can get? Like, can you order yes. this? Okay. Yes, okay. it's called Black Elk Speaks. It's actually a, it's a very famous book about okay. the medicine man Black Elk. Okay. And this German man, uh, Need, Needmeyer, uh, went and stayed with him uh, and wrote his story like wrote his entire story wow. until he was an old man and his he and his family lived with them for many years went and cool. was with them anyway it's a great book and it's about the medicine man black elk and uh it tells the history of the destruction of you know the native american culture and um he had a vision where he was told that he was going to bring all the cultures together that they were going to you know and so this vision, he spent his entire life trying to heal those dynamics and bringing people together. And, um, and so this book was 
so exactly what I was doing as I was being called mm. to bring people together to heal these divisions. And, and this is why I do a lot of advocacy. And this is why I do a lot of, um, you know, work defending other people because, you know, I did not have a voice and, and nobody defended me. And so this is why I see this as part of, you know, my calling, but this book was all about this vision. And that's what I was shared with when I started my spiritual journey was that I was supposed to create a village and we were supposed to help the people awaken, that's you know? Amazing. And so, so that book is, was one of the most powerful things. And what I found was that the religion of my ancestors, um, there's a difference between you know, organized religion and because that's something you do once a week. That's something you go to church and do. And it's, and it's the dogma of man-made rules. Whereas what I loved about indigenous religion is it's, it's, it's part of their everyday living and that there is no person that runs between me and my divinity that mm -hmm. it's in everything. It's in everyone I meet. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're all sh parts of that divine thing. And so that, that just resonated with me so much that that's my personal path. I don't teach that to anyone. I don't, um, that's how I walk through this world is using those, um, more earth-based understandings of, um, that. So anyway, so yeah, so it was really funny because, um, you know, I, I've spent a lot of time with native American people and, um, you know, I've, and it's, that's a whole nother day, but anyway, okay. and so that religion for me, um, is just how I walk my life. And I am only held accountable between me and my mm -hmm. God of my understanding. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't need someone to judge me. I hold myself accountable. Mm -hmm. And that's what that spiritual religion is about, is, is self-awareness and accountability and being the example of that. So... So That's anyway, amazing, I hate to say, so yeah, so again, um, you know, how can I criticize other people for what I'm doing? And then I become the teacher. I become the example when I'm changing. When you change you, it changes everyone around you. It changes everything around you. Yeah, Some for people, better or for worse. For better or for worse. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's good yes. Stuff. So that was one of the books that changed my life. But as I had my awakening, all these really weird spiritual books started showing up. And eventually they started saying the same thing. They all started yes. saying the same thing. Yes. And so that's when my divinity <clears throat> said to me, uh, stop reading, start doing. Okay. Mm. So I had to take those spiritual concepts and really start walking them. Yes. You know, how do you take those concepts and put them in your everyday life? Which is, that's what I help people do. I help people take spiritual concepts and apply them in their everyday life. It's and, so, I mean, I'm just excited by that because I feel like as I'm reading this book, A Course of, a Course of Miracles, it is talking about, you know, and, and, you know, just very briefly, I think I'm a good person. I'm, you know, I'm kind and patient and, you know, I try to live a very aware life. Um, but well, anyway, you know what? That's going to be too much of a sidebar. But so I get well, what you're saying, though, because well, there, all these I do books hold the truth. They all yeah. hold the truth, yeah. and yeah. it's not the truth, okay? Exactly. So you Amen, take what sister. you need and you leave the rest. That's how uh -huh. I look at it. And uh -huh. so what I noticed is all these books started saying the same thing, which was, "You're awakening. You're you got to get your own shit show in order, and then you are an example of how to do that out in the world." you know, and so you become a different thing. So yeah, so whether it was, and at that time, that's when there's this huge surgence. And so the Course of Miracles was written in like the 60s or 70s, mm -hmm, okay? Mm -hmm. And it has become a cult book where people, you know, again, anything extreme for me is out of balance. Oh, me too. Good or bad, okay? Mm -hmm. Anything extreme. So, um, so yeah, there's a whole group, you know, there's, that's a cult book. And I don't want, I don't mean cult like in a, in no, I get it. I, I, but no, it's I get it. a lot of people bang that drum and that's okay. Good for them. And if it makes you a better human being, I don't, I'm great with that. Okay. But for me, I'm all about, I'm a little more, you know, fluid about that. But so whether it's a course in miracles, whether it's uh conversations with God, mm -hmm. which is another book by Neil Donald Walsh, mm. um, the movie is hilarious. It's the awakening to that. Oh my God. You know, awakening is never pleasant people. No. Awakening is like waking up in the middle of public square naked with people yelling at you. Okay. <laughs> You're like, how did I get here? What the heck just happened to yeah. me? So there's always destruction before construction. And we have yeah. to deconstruct those illusions of ourselves before we can 
grow or move or build or whatever. The examples. So, so then there's, you know, Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now. Oh, yes, right. Another and The New excellent. Earth. I mean, those are two, yeah, I remember. And well, problems. again, he's had a series of books, just like Neil Donald Walsh has had a series of books. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and again, so all these, all these spiritual teachers, mm -hmm. uh, you know, again, in the destruction of their personal illusion, this is their truth through their awakening. And yeah. so, you know, Eckhart Tolle is a philosopher. He actually mm -hmm. has a PhD in philosophy. Um, and his book, which I found fascinating, was all, and all the awakenings are about the destruction of the ego. Yes. So I'm going to tell a quick story about him. Great. So yeah. He decided one day he was just going to kill himself. Sure. And so he thought, well, I'm going to kill myself. And then he said, as a philosopher would, well, if I want to kill myself, then I must be separate from myself. So what is it? No, right. So what is it that needs to wants to die? And he realized it was his ego. And so he, the book is about, he let go of his ego and he just entered this blissful state for like two years and lived on a park bench and gave away all his material possessions. And then it started integrating himself back into this human world, this human wow. life. And so that's the power of now. It's about being present to the, to the moment. But anyway, so that's his awakening story. Girl, everybody wants to like, you know, and that's the thing when we deal with mental health or people that don't want to live anymore is that their ability to control their situation has become so unmanageable that the easiest thing is getting out of this life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and honestly, it's about learning how to stop and ask for help mm -hmm. and to be willing to be helped, you mm -hmm. know, to surrender that need. And so, you know, we're, we're in a mental health crisis at this point in our world and we're so divided from each other that if I could just leave you guys with one thing and it's that just reach out, you know, mm -hmm. even if it's just a phone call or a card, you mm -hmm. know, those thoughtful things take effort and we're so used to not making those efforts that we're too um, busy. Well, we're not now. Okay. No, I'm saying before right. pre-COVID people are just too busy. Time. Yeah. Well, but we have to schedule that time. We have to make exactly. time for those things. Yeah, and so, yeah. so now that we're finding out the stuff isn't important and people are, okay, um, who have we neglected? Who could use a little phone call? You know, if we really love people, then we want to reach out and connect. You know, somebody has to go first. You That's know, right. you can't just keep waiting for people to contact you and think about you. It's a two-way street. So the more you Absolutely. send out, the more that comes back. So we have to stay connected and we have to help each other through this process and if anybody needs help don't hesitate to give me a call well yeah so know, tell us we know a I, lot of I people have, i have a few more questions for you but um sure. this would be a great place to stop for a moment how can people reach out to you tell us some of the social media ways we can get a hold of you and and, and i'll post them as well but great for you to say right well uh, my website is my name everything's my name it just makes it easier so it's okay. mariannegoldweber.com and okay. um you know, and so if you Google that, I have it, you know, it's at, it's spelled Mary Ann with, it's one word with an I, and then Gold Weber with one B. So okay. my website is the best way to reach me. Excellent. Um, okay. But I'm on every social platform. I'm on Facebook. I'm on, I don't like Instagram, uh, but I do it. Um, and uh, Twitter, I'm on there okay. as well. Excellent. Um, but again, you know, if you just Google me, yeah. any version of my name, I'll pop up. I've okay. been doing this a long time, so I've Excellent. got a lot of stuff. There's all kinds of weird things out there. So when we were talking and you kind of slid this in on the side, and so because you brought it up, I'm thinking that, all right, what fair game, right? You said, I talk to dead people. So before we got started live, I'm well recording, I should say, uh, you were talking about the stage crew. So tell me a little bit about what would you like people to know about talking to dead people or anything well, like a that? Joke, but yes. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> I mean, it's not a joke. I do talk to dead well, people. Well, I think that you do. Yeah, exactly. Girl, I've learned more from dead people than I have from the living. So, so as a medium, I'm kind of like an operator. So I stand with one. So I think of this life like a play. Okay. So our soul says, okay, I'm going to be Marianne Goldweber and she's going to learn. This is the lesson she's here to learn. And so then we, we find a new, and I lovingly refer to this body as a meat suit. So we get a new meat suit and we enter this play mid-production. Okay. Oh. You get plunked down, no script, no, you know, and the only way you learn how, what to do is from the people you're born to and then, you know, yeah. society and blah, blah, blah. So as we're navigating through this play production, you know, some of the actors, you know, come and go from the play. So some actors leave the play in the first act. So new actors can appear in the third act. And so as you leave the play, when this 
when this biological thing wears out, we have to abandon it. And then you get to go backstage and you get to be part of the oh, stage crew. Okay. I love so, the way you put this. Yeah. So once you're on the other side, the other side of the curtain, you get to see the play from this higher perspective. And you're like, oh, you get to see the backstory, what you were oh, here yeah. for. What did I learn? And then once you come to that complete understanding, then you are helping the rest of the people who are still out in the production. But oh. you're backstage, they can't hear you. You know, so we they so what I do is I I take telepathic communication and translate it into language That's for you. Amazing. And then I teach you how they communicate and can catch those signs so that mm -hmm. you're not missing the mark, mm -hmm. you know. So we are getting divinely guided, but usually my ego goes, No, I don't want to hear that, you know. <laughs> and they're like, Okay, Mary, well, good luck with that. And uh, you know, they love you anyway. I mean, they can't interfere in our free will. So right. Right. You know, when it gets painful enough, you'll change uh, or That's not. Right. And then right. you get to go backstage and watch it. And now you can't do anything about it. That's the hard part is once you're you broke this meat suit and you're on over there. Yeah. That's ownership. That's ultimate ownership. You can't mm -hmm. avoid it at that point. So, you know, <laughs> nothing's worse than waking up and realizing you were the villain in the play. OK, I mean. Wow. Yeah. Right. Hello. Wait, you know, that was me. I did that. Well, you know, you thought you were doing a good job. Then you get over there and you're like, oh, wait. Okay. Yeah, you know? yeah. So well, how did my, so like that happy, chirpy thing of yours discount? So when you get on the other side, like, oh, my God, I was so dismissive of all these people. Yes. You know, and their experience and their pain. Like, is that, okay, once you're over there, you're like, sorry, nobody can hear you. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> like, well, I'll, I apologize to everyone right now. I will never. Well, no, you it. don't see it that way. No, I'm kidding. Well, I'm, I totally am a, I'm the ultimate kidding. optimist, too. Okay, and. Yeah. I mean, we're all works in progress, honey. I mean, that's the thing is, you know, this is why I'm funny because some of this is funny you. stuff. She's going to rip laugh. the rug out. You know, you're being dismissive and then she's going to be funny after that. Right. So I get my own well, little, like, it's all love. I mean, it, I, I yes. don't, I don't walk up to people and tell them stuff. Okay. First of all, if people don't ask, they don't want to yeah. know. Yeah. Right. I don't just walk up to folks Amen. in the grocery store and say, Oh, by the way, you know, um, you have to call me and then you schedule an appointment and then you pay me. And so that means you're asking. Okay. So the universe, right. you really want, I am obligated to, to share exactly what the universe has to say to you. Yes. So this is a, my very first session professionally. Okay. It was at the herb store and this lady came in and she said, you know, so she sits down and I originally channeled through automatic writing. So I would write I what, therapy, what my guide said right to you. Mm -hmm. so this is what my guide said to her. Okay. He said, ma'am, you have to stop using your mother as an excuse for not making a life for yourself because you're beginning to treat her very badly. Mm -hmm. And I thought, are you kidding me? I'm new. Are you really? I, I have to read this. <laughs> <laughs> to this woman oh my god i thought i can't do this work and they're like well this is what it is so good luck yeah, with that right. okay so if you don't want to do it tell us now i'm like okay so or i refund I, I go, her money <laughs> i go ma'am the universe says that you know and i read that to her she grabbed that paper out of my hand and she ran she was how dare you she said tell me that i'm abusing my mother I go, ma'am, I don't even know if you have a mother. Okay, this is just the message. So she left. That is funny. So a year, a year later, my door opens to the herb store and in walks this woman. And I'm like, oh my God, she's back. Um, and she, hi. she goes, hi, do you remember me? I said, oh yeah, I remember you. And she said, well, I have to tell you that day I was so mad because I am the only caretaker for my mother and I was getting resentful of having to care for her. So I was catching myself like brushing her hair roughly or, oh. you know, she goes, and that scared me when you said that. She goes, so I put my mom in some daycare where she has a caretaker too. And I went back to school and did some things for myself. She goes, and I came here to thank you. Oh my gosh, Marianne, that gives me chills. That's she goes, really and I forgot to pay story. you. Oh. <laughs> so she gave me the money. I'm like, wow. For me, that was such a confirmation because this Absolutely. work isn't, it's not my message. Yeah. It's not right. my message to right. alter. It's mine to just deliver. And I have faith and I know that this is what people need to hear. Mm -hmm. It's not what you want to hear. It's what you need to hear. Mm -hmm. And I release the obligation to own that. So anyway, so yeah, that was my, that was my first session. You'll I'm never like, forgot it. And neither will she. I mean, you changed her life. Well, right. and you don't. Or you so, gave her, you presented this opportunity of awareness so she could. So let me tell you what dead people told me. So I was channeling somebody's grandma one day. Okay. And uh, this grandma said to me, she goes, Marianne, do you think Johnny Appleseed went back and watered all those trees? 
You made it See, right. When you when oh. I deliver that message, I'm just planting a seed. Yeah, right. And it's not up to me whether it grows because somebody else will come along in water another teacher will appear another experience mm -hmm. will water that mm -hmm. you know so yeah i think about her all the time because how true is that you know i'm just to plant the seed that's all yes. we're here to do guys yeah. is plant the seed and keep moving i agree so, you know when i was a ged teacher for many years and that's and i remember other ged teachers saying it was very frustrating because they would not see very many students graduate and I'm like, you might not ever see anybody graduate. It doesn't mean that they don't. They're just not right. doing it with you, but you're doing all this important work, planting that seed, watering the seed, nurturing the seed. It is sad that we don't get to see the tree bloom, you know, or watch the fruit, whatever, you know, whatever analogy you want to use for it. Um, but that is the work, right? That you're helping somebody get to the next place and then celebrating because somebody somewhere along the way will get to watch them walk across the stage, you know, with their cap and gown on and have that so big moment. The postscript of Black Elk Speaks okay. is possibly the my most favorite part of that entire book. He was a very old man and he had not seen the, the, tr the tree of life was supposed to blossom and he did everything in his power to get that to happen and it didn't. So he stood on the mountain in prayer and he called out to God and said, I've, I'm an old man, I've done everything and the tree still has not bloomed. But it is. It's just not in his lifetime, you know, and, <laughs> and it's just a powerful, I'm sorry, it makes me emotional because, you know, as somebody who plants seeds all the time and having faith, these seeds do, they do get watered and they do get fertilized. It's just not always for me to see. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's nice when you get that confirmation, but so if you read the postscript to Black Elk Speaks, it's very powerful because he felt he failed. Oh. And he didn't, because yeah. here we are today talking about him, using those wisdoms as a way to help and heal this world. So did he fail? No, you know, so we're all responsible for um, helping be part of that healing in this world. And so I'm doing my part, Mary Barb's doing her part, and hopefully you guys will find your, you know, take your pain and turn it into your passion. Take mm -hmm. your you know, and, and help hand that tool to somebody else. That's how we, that's how we do it. So. so Marianne, that's a beautiful ending. I'm going to stop us there because um, I just think there's nothing else to really say. You know, we've hit on a lot of profound thoughts and you've been so generous with your time and um, spiritual gifts for this hour that we've oh, been together. Welcome. Thank you for doing this and giving this a platform because oh, my this, pleasure. Is how, this is, you know, this, Again, this is another seed that gets planted that, you know, and you're doing it in the way you know how. This is what I'm doing. I can't be out there with people right now. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing, I do a video podcast, you know. Where, yes, on Facebook. You know, she does well, Facebook. I'm going to have Mary Barb on mine next. Is oh, fun. Well, my gosh, do. I have some very good stories for you. So that I didn't tell you during this time period. But um, yeah, I have whatever. I'm, I love telling stories. No, well, I love you and I'm so grateful and thank and you. all of you who are watching thank you so much and you're not alone we're we are we are a village we are doing this mm -hmm. together it's just mm -hmm. that we're not able to be together so we stay connected the way we can and we're here to just give you guys some hope yeah thank you nice all right so Marianne I'm going to stop our recording now for everybody who all my listeners out there bookshelf shelfies I appreciate you and uh the next person I think that you will get to hear an interview with, her name is Stacy Sheeman. She is, and, you know, falling right in line with all the amazing, powerful women I've had on my podcast, a few men, but uh, mostly women. She is a woman who um, is a social worker and adopted a young boy and ultimately adopted his two siblings and is now the single mom of these three amazing kids. So she's wow. going to share her story with us. Yeah. The next time I see you all. So have a great evening. All right, Marianne, um, stay right where you are and I'll say goodbye to you off the I air. Will. Thank you all for watching. Thanks everybody.